0: Welcome to the Joyful Journey Podcast. If you're uncertain about what you really want or unsure how to be a force for good, you know this world craves, then this is the show for you. I'm Anita Adams, your host and guide to finding clarity and creating a life you love. Let's tap into our inner wisdom, access our highest self and unleash joy. As we raise our vibration, we heighten the collective consciousness. And that, my friends, is the Joyful Journey. Let's dive in. Hey, Joyful Journeyers, Anita Adams here, your host of the Joyful Journey podcast. And I'm so excited to introduce you to an incredible woman who has so much to give to the world and who I believe I was divinely guided to find. If there's time, I will tell that story. And if not, I'll add it to the show notes because there are no coincidences. And here we are. (laughs) So Adele, (laughs) welcome. And thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yes, we'll we'll leave everybody with a little bit of wondering because it really was whimsical meeting up with Anita again, and I'm so happy to be on her podcast today. So, so thank you for asking me. Yeah,
0: and I wanna tell people a little bit more about you before we dive in. So Adele is a NLP trainer and how she got to this profession is a fascinating story itself and one we definitely will talk about. Adele is also a homopathic practitioner, creator and host of the Mind Your Freedom podcast and owner of a beautiful retreat center in Half Moon Bay on the Sunshine Coast. Adele is passionate about teaching people to understand the power of the mind and how changing your thinking can change your life. Adele, truly, it's exciting to have you here. I'm so thrilled that we can have this conversation today. So again, welcome and thank you.
1: Likewise, it's exciting being on a podcast. It's always fun. <laughs> it
0: is. I have to admit or tell you that um, when when we first met up and you told me that you are an NLP trainer, I just politely nodded my head because I was too embarrassed to admit that I didn't really know what that was. I have since done my homework and I understand it better. However, there may be some people listening that don't really know what NLP is and exactly what you do. So would you dive in and, and share a little bit more
1: with us about what that is? Sure, so NLP is an acronym that's neurolinguistics Programming. And it was developed in the 70s by a very large group of individuals who came from different fields of study. So neurology, psychology, cybernetics, systems study or systems theory and programming. So they began to discover that the brain actually worked in systems and programs. And as business people, we understand we want that kind of stuff keeps us organized. But what if your brain had the same or something that's similar, a system and a program that worked inside your brain that can be malleable. So we know that the brain is malleable. And now we have processes that are known to just update that system. So I always say, Is your mom and dad's 1960 TV in your room? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) No. Why? Because the programs are outdated, like the technology is outdated, right? And quite often, you know, we go to the gym, we work out our bodies, we buy the latest graded gadget, we have our Fitbit. And yet, how much work have we done on the inner workings of our mind? Mm -hmm. And this is the process of NLP, You know, a big name in the industry is Tony Robbins, Mel Robbins, Mm. where we can see change in minutes and hours rather than in years through um, the old way, which is talk therapy, which has got lots of benefits. But quite often, it really means that you have to dig in, get down into the muck and work through things. Where NLP, we're working with the, the neurology of the mind, knowing that there's many ways to interrupt a neurological pathway within your brain. And that can happen without pain and quickly.
0: Okay. So we're, you're talking about reprogramming our our minds.
1: And did you say you can actually do that in minutes? Oftentimes you can. So what I'm going to put in front of the screen is a felt pan that has a cap on it. And so when we think about an event in our life that is connected to an emotion, so say that the emotions on the one side, and on the other, and this is the neural pathway. So the event occurs in here. And if it was traumatic, then, you know, there might be anxiety or anger or fear, whatever that emotion might be. And that also comes with physiology. So a certain heart rate, respiration, body temperature. And we understand that a lot through things like depression, where people um, actually have their eyes focused towards the floor. So they don't see a lot of the room. They make, take smaller steps. They could shuffle. They have a lower heart rate, lower respiration. They speak slower. They walk slower. So we understand that this is with every emotion that we feel. Not, it's not just selective. So what we do now with, with neurolinguistics programming is we come through the back door and we can change the physiology so we already know that our brain is flushing chemicals for whatever we're, we're focused on. So our thoughts create physiology, which is flushed from chemicals within our brain and move through our body, through our bloodstream. When they're negative, that, you know, we can just say it's on the side of fear, Like you want to call it anxiety, whatever you want to call it. It's usually a negative emotion. On the positive side, it, it can be love. It can be gratitude. It can be many, many things, but really it's either positive or negative the body is simple that way. So what we want to do is we want to switch this physiology to something that is not the complete story. Your brain downloaded it in this complete idea. And if we change something, that pathway cannot exist in a changed form because it was created as a complete item. So we go through a process like NLP and there's other modalities that do the same thing. And we can change the physiology, either either by changing a negative emotion to a positive emotion. So here you get the science behind the power of gratitude. Or we can change the actual physical physiology, heart rate, respiration, and body temperature. And it's done in a very specific way. So we all know, you know, the kids are misbehaving. You send them outside to play and they're happy. But when they come back in the house, they can misbehave again. So different And, and, you know, some people will say, well, (laughs) one of the processes, do do people understand the world through the differences that they can see or through the similarities that they recognize? Oh, you can see my one of my programs through my language that I use. It it shows up every single time. And this is part of the work that I do. But, uh, um, you know, we do it in a very specific way. So we occupy a lot of brain power. So if if you want to think like your computer and say, okay, we're dominating the RAM you're running Adobe software, and Facebook at the same time, and your computer can't do very much else, right? So the the brain can be said to, you know, be dominated as well, whether we're focusing on something negative within our lives. And so we fail to see the joy, we fail to find the, the uh, outlook that we want in life. And therefore, our, our entire world kind of looks a bit dark, yeah. where we change our thought to something more directed while we're doing a line dance, let's say, we're changing the heart rate, respiration and body temperature while refocusing the mind away from the problem. And those two things together, simplistically, are the way that we can allow that neural pathway to collapse. And it kind of shows up like a blank mind in your page, you logically, reasonably, intellectually know that this event existed but it's no longer polarized with that negative emotion Mm -hmm. so then you're able to move forward in life and find you know the resources that you learned through a difficult situation and access them
0: there's so much there to unpack um, and I want to dive into it Uh, first though I think this is a nice little transition to share your personal story that led you to pursue the path,
1: this this profession that you are now on. Do you want to, can you share that with us? Sure. sure, absolutely. When I was 27, I was in a plane crash. The small plane that I was a passenger in crashed and flipped in water, and it was immediately submerged in water, and I began to drown. So- step back a little bit imagine a perfect sunny day when everything's okay (laughs) and then life happens (laughs) the pilot had said he wanted to go and do a skip and go off the river below and that meant that he was going to go down just like skipping a stone off the surface of some flat water he was going to skip the pontoons across the river and then scoop back up into the sky but human failure he had left the landing gear down. So when that plane made contact with the water, it flipped from nose to tail and it flipped really, really fast. So our brain functions at a super high level, faster than a rocket going to the moon. My, my brain registered that the pilot was going under, he was sitting in front of me and I went to take a breath of air and my mouth filled with water. Oh So wow. then I was upside down, the plane was full of water, Um, my mouth was full of water, it was dark, it was black, it was confusing, gravity was pulling me in the wrong direction, there were things in the cabin that were bouncing against my body, the plane was spinning in the current, and traveling down the river at, at, you know, a pretty good speed, it was all very um, confusing, and the first thing I tried to do was push, (laughs) What do you mean you try to push with my feet on the floor of the cabin? I try to just like push my body out and you can imagine just, you know, pushing against something and then noticing that you're you're so constrained because you've got a three point harness that is just holding you firm to that seat. And I had because it was an amphibious small plane, we were also wearing life jackets. So all of those cords in the commotion of the flip and the water had wrapped around the three-point harness and everything was tangled. And I couldn't find the release. You know, you always hear the airline stewardess saying, take the buckle. (laughs) But at that time you have to find it, right? So you can, you know, look around your waist and try to find that bulk of where that, that clasp was. And I just couldn't find it. And within a short time, you can imagine how long you can hold your breath. I began to feel that tingling sensation in my arms and in my legs. And I'd been a lifeguard for many years. So I knew that sensation meant that I was running short on oxygen and that I needed to get out of the plane. But what was going through my brain was I can't get out. I can't get out. I can't find the three point harness. And at that point, my, my body actually If you want to philosophically say separated from itself, because I remember watching a picture of myself upside down and I had really long hair at the time, you know what it looks like when it's floating in the water Mm -hmm. right and it's. So I have this image of myself upside down in this plane with this hair just moving through the the current, and it was rather peaceful where I was. (laughs) I wasn't concerned with this person's welfare I was more just an observer at this point. And at this point, my eye, my um, mind began to flash my life in front of my eyes. Mm. So, you know, I'd heard at some point before this, or maybe after this, that it doesn't happen. And I'm, I've talked to many people who've had near death experiences, and it happened to all of them. So I'm not sure um, when or why the difference is, but I had um, this amazing movie from my life, from the moment of my birth, all the way through my uh, life. And and then it gave me a preview of what would happen if I were to die. And that was a gift of watching the RCMP officers, our local police force, walking through my parents' front yard and up their big red brick steps and knocking on that old door. And I could see my parents answering the door. I didn't, hear their conversation, but I watched the conversation unfold through their expressions changing. And that was first confusion to acknowledgement. And then it turned into um, full blown grief. And my mom uh, collapsed to the floor. She covered her hands over her head and she screamed and she screamed Really loud inside my head, just in this vision that I was having. But that was enough. It shocked me. It snapped me back into my reality that I was upside down, drowning in a plane that had crashed and overturned in water. And I made a choice right then and there that this was not going to be my story. I was getting out of the plane and I was getting out of it now. And these are very key neuroscience answers, which we can go into later. But what happened with the result of me making a very specific choice in a very specific way, is all of those images that had flashed forward in time began to flash in reverse. And they went back through, I don't know, millions, how many billions of moments in life. And then the images stopped. And in front of my mind's eye was a movie that I'd watched. Didn't know how long ago, didn't know the names of the actors, The what the name of the movie was. But what was showing me in front of my mind's eye gave me all the information I needed to escape a plane that had crashed and overturned in water. This scene, I know, was a commander training young pilots how to escape a plane that had crashed and overturned in water. And I followed the script and I escaped the plane so I always say, even in life's most dire circumstances, out of breath, out of time, we still have the ability to make choices that can change the trajectory of our life. So that's a wow. little bit of my nice story. It took me a long time. I felt like an Olympian when I breached the surface of the water. <laughs> I was that out of breath. <laughs> wow. But I did climb onto that pontoon and I threw my arms to the sky and let out a huge whoop um, <laughs> into, the, into the blackness of the sky because there was nobody on that river. There wow. wasn't, wasn't going to be a 911 call. So that- um, That is yeah. a
0: remarkable story, Adele. Thank you so much for sharing it. And I can imagine how frightening and traumatic it would be. But it sounds like it sounds like you- you kicked into gear like you kicked into action and it's just remarkable this you know being able to see this vision in your mind and making this very audible choice how did you say it I I made a choice this is not going to be my story I, I love those words and we can use those
1: those very words so many of us right now right Yes, absolutely. We're making choices all day long, like thousands of choices, you know, in a week. There's better time. There's a whole thing, whole science on choice. (laughs) But, um, you know, when when we have these significant events in our life, and you had said fear, fear wasn't part of my story, wasn't part of my picture. I was very comfortable in the water, and I think that was part of many of the you know, round pegs that went into the round holes to successfully, you know, the outcome, mm-hmm. the, the outcome of my survival. And, and we often are stopped by fear. And when we think of the detriment that fear does for us, sure, keep your, ha- your hand away from a hot stove. And yet, um, when we're going to pursue our dreams, or to make a choice that really matters in life, it's not always helpful. Unless we're talking something that is, you know, walking down a back alley in Afghanistan, then of course, fear is a powerful and, you know, helpful tool, but not every day in the lives that we lead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting, um, and I, I shared this in another episode recently uh, about um realizing my own self-limiting beliefs on on stuff around fear so um, as you know i did this kayaking trip this this summer and just a year ago i had said that i would never ever 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 get into a single seat kayak and paddle on my own on a on on a trip And then it was on this trip that I realized here I am, you know, we'd already gone 300 kilometers by this time, you know, it was like day 20 something in this trip. And I'm like, wow, you know, I'm doing this. And what was, what was really interesting for me actually in the moment, not, not so much that, wow, I'm here. I am, although that was, that was really incredible. It was more the realization that, wow, I told myself a year ago that I would, I could never do this. I didn't, I just didn't even, I didn't believe I could do something like like this and I started to wonder well what else am I telling myself I'm not capable of
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: I think sometimes we say things and we act in a way and we don't even realize the language we're using that is putting the lid on our potential and I I feel like that's what I'm hearing you talk about am I is, is that what You do is to help lift the lid off and identify the words and the language and the beliefs so we can see and feel and believe that potential in ourselves.
1: In a lot of ways, yes, and then take it a step further and actually change the programming because we have these mechanisms inside our head that we've used over and over and over. And, you know, people always say, well, what happens if it doesn't work? Well, what happens if it does? (laughs) You know? What happens if, if it goes like to the moon? So we've stopped ourselves from the fear, you know, maybe we have a nine to five job that pays the bills and the, you know, the paycheck comes into the bank account every two weeks and it does something, but maybe it doesn't fill our heart or for whatever reason you want to go out on your own or make a change. And they like, but what happens if it doesn't work? And I say, well, what happens if it does Mm -hmm. even, even better? What if it's wilder than you you could ever imagine and go there and see how that changes the story, but it is in the words, you know, earlier today, you said, I think I'll try to do something. I just, I say, just remove the word, try repeat that same sentence without the word, try, and it's powerful
0: so interesting. It's awareness,
1: isn't it? You have to be aware of that, that language,
0: constantly being aware of it. Um, I think, you know, that I um, I te- teach people how to tap into their inner wisdom so they can find that clarity about who they choose to be and the life they choose to have. And I, I really believe when you do that successfully, you unleash a great joy, a big obstacle that I believe many people face in creating that life and creating that person that they want to believe or be is that their belief, their belief in themselves, that they can be that piece, that person, and they can have that life that they, they really want. And so how do you really get past those self-limiting beliefs? How do you do that, that reprogramming to that changes some of those beliefs that are so deeply ingrained, you know, like I, I had, the belief for a very, very, very long time that, um, I wasn't smart enough and, you know, like I can point fingers, you know, my father was very, um, he would, he would talk down to me and tell me I was stupid and just all sorts of stuff. And, and, you know, I, I, I share that not to, you know, evoke any pity because I, I don't, I believe I am who I am today, largely because of my parents and I love who I am. I am today. Um, However, it did take a long time for me to come around to believe that, yeah, you know, Anita, you are smart. You're really smart. You've got a lot to offer. I wish I could have come to that conclusion a lot sooner. So, and I know there are other people out there like me that don't believe that they are are enough, whether they feel like they're not smart enough, talented enough, capable enough, good looking enough, whatever enough. There's this lack of belief in their enoughness, which I feel like is almost, you know, an epidemic in itself. How do we get past that? How can, do you have any tips that we, you can share with us that
1: will help? Sure. Yeah. So our brains develop similar to, we, we develop physically, right? It's easy to see we develop physically, we, you know, we go from an infant to a little child that begins to sit up and then stands and then takes that first step. So we watch the development, you know, the child says their first word, and then they, they tell a lie. And we're like, yay, they told a lie. It's a psychological (laughs) development. But throughout this, if we look at someone like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety, survival, securities in the first two years, love and belonging, meaning that we live within a tribe that usually looks like us and talks like us. And that's, that's what we know. And then as teenagers, we start to move out into the world. And this is when our self-esteem and self-worth begin to develop. We expand our horizons. We maybe look at different religions. We maybe have a friend that doesn't have the same skin tone as us. And this allows us to expand our understanding. But within this time, our brain is still underdeveloped. An uh, adult um, of the age of about 25 has a fully functioning neocortex. And before that, it's in the developmental stage. So I always use my younger self here. <laughs> this is Charlotte. This
0: <laughs> is a little, a little doll that's uh, yeah. what, what maybe five inches Charlotte.
1: tall with with Um, orange hair, (laughs) yeah. This is Charlotte. She has an A. I've had her since I was probably two. But Charlotte isn't less intelligent, she's just younger, so -hmm. she hasn't got the life experience to process events that are happening in her life. And understanding, we talked, you talked about um, a metaphysical word called ontology who am I going to be as I move through life? And so there's a few moving parts here that I'd like to pull together. Awesome. And the obstacle, of course. So when, when Charlotte is, you know, coming up through through life and somebody says something mean to her that makes her feel bad about herself, that becomes a neural pathway within her brain. Mm. And neural like neural pathways and memories, if we want to call them that are filed according to emotion. So imagine going into a library inside your mind and the first row is all fear. I was afraid, I got, you know, I didn't know how to do this. This frightened me. The next one is anxiety. The next one is whatever it might be. And and where is love and where is a sense of well-being and security and all of that? It could be farther down the line. So the emotions that are That are activated more often are going to be front and center in this person's psychology. So when we say who do I want to be, well, all of those memories are in there, defined by someone else who might have said something cruel. So if it's defined by I'm not good enough or you know, I I don't know enough, I'm I'm not smart, I'm not pretty, whatever we want to say, then those emotions are there. And that's what's running these programs. And it's almost, how would I explain? Um, You know, I always say, if you haven't used it in a while, it's like a cow trail. If you use it more often, it becomes, you know, a a dirt road. And if you use it all the time, it's a four-lane highway with lights. (laughs) You can go really, really fast. The brain will tell you, it will identify which brain you're in by how fast the answer came. (laughs) So it came really, really fast. It's subconscious and you're probably reacting versus the thoughtful, you know, literary, reasonable, rational brain, latest, greatest invention of mankind. But it's also the slow thinker is not in play. And this is where we learn things. So there's different ways for us to overcome things like a negative emotion. First thing is awareness. Awareness is the gate way to neuroplasticity. So once we have an awareness that there's something here that I want to attend to, we have 42 days of that sitting in our neocortex, where we can reason and rationalize with it. And this is a little bit of the the slow way of doing things. What I would do is I say, oh, I have a problem. (laughs) Let's take care of it. Let's take care of it with the latest technology. But getting back to here's a, you know, someone who has a certain belief in themselves that they don't have the knowledge or the capacity to do something. And then you have the ability to be who you want to be through choice, through uh, your education for what you focus on, uh, where your heart resides, where your values lie. And so that, that word is ontology. So who am I going to be as I move through life? And when we choose something greater than ourselves, then that in itself has its own energy. So for example, if you look at kinesiology, you know, if you follow David R. Hawking's Power Versus Force, IVI, he's got tons of books. We know that integrity is, is the tipping point in human behavior where it becomes positive and you start generating goodwill coming your way, where the lower emotions like anger, resentment, revenge, all of those, you know, apathy, grief can, can be in the negative side. And then you're also attracting that, which, you know, you don't want to stay there for long. So as we move our ontological um, beingness forward, I always say go love and above. Which is five, five, forty. Then you're getting into some significant well-being, and you're able to generate more. And when we talk about that, we all often talk about it being externalized. Like I'm going to talk to them with love. I'm going to be loving to them. But what about me? <laughs> right? If you have, if you've flown, probably not in the last two years. But if you've flown, it's like put your own mask on first. Mm-hmm. Right. So as women, we are givers and nurturers and we often give, and give until it hurts. And, and then you see the collapse state of someone who has been overtaxed and, and just feels a bit run down. So, you know, there is some old science and I forget who actually quoted this one, which is we set the bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we set the bar. How we treat ourselves is how other people will treat us. 100%. And so if we feel like a doormat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-responsibility, right? When's the last time that you cared for yourself? When's the last time that you loved yourself? And when we are in that state, then we do see obstacles rise up. But I always say, if you know where you're going, it doesn't matter what's between point A and point B, if you have your eye on the focus, Mm -hmm. if you know, you're going to paddle to desolation sound. doesn't matter how big the waves are in between. You are on a mission and that is your goal. And so this is where the mind science and just understanding the power in how we think can change the outcome. Mm -hmm. Because if you thought about, you know, going through Agamemnon Channel, if I say it right, big (laughs) waves, big (laughs) obstacles, right? And you could say, okay, let me think about this for a minute. But did it stop me? No, the obstacle is the way Ryan Halliday. Great book. <laughs> <I> <laughs> what was the name it. of that book? Ryan Halliday. It's called the Ob- The obstacle is the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, these are little secrets within our mind. You know, we, we put up these roadblocks for our own greatness for our goals that we have for us. And then we tell ourselves 10 ways why it cannot be done. hmm when really the obstacle is the way and some of that is mindset. And some of that is, you know, resilience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's reaching out and having some help. There's yeah. lots of ways to clear those obstacles.
0: So you said, um, go love and above. All right, so you're talking about, again, making an active choice to choose love over fear, and come from operating from that place. Is that the, my understanding, the right understanding of what you're saying?
1: Yeah. If, if you, if you consider, you know, our physiology, simplistically, you could say love is on one side and fear is on the other. Well, I a hundred percent, I think we only have white. those two choices really. Yeah. yeah. But so love you could, vibrates at a very high level. Yeah. Like there's a lot that comes inside. So if you've done your core values, which not too many people on the planet have, I think it's like two or 3%, but you see that, you know, integrity sits inside a love, family sits inside a love, there's lots of things. Well, for individuals, it depends what your core values are. For for me, all the things that I love <laughs> sit inside of love. So I can operate, or be conscious of of maintaining my life, giving and receiving through love. And that way, I know that I'm taken care of. And that whoever I'm working with has, you know, got that integrity that I'm going to treat them like somebody that I love Mm -hmm. offer my services in that way. So this is the idea of who am I going to be? Who who am I going to be as I move through life?
0: I'm really interested in that um, statistic that 2% of the population really know and have taken time to identify their core values. And that sounds like that's key to me. And I, and I know from my own personal experiences and how wrong I've gone and how damaging it, my choices were not only to me, but to my family, because I wasn't clear about my core values. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: when you do get clear on that, you can make choices from that, that highest self, right. From that place of.
1: Well, the thing about core values is you feel it. So, you know, when you get that feeling inside your gut where this just, you know, you can call it intuition, you can call it lots of different names. Core values is one of those things that is that true north. When you're on target, when you're living within your values, you feel calm about it. There's nothing that makes you feel like icky. But when you're outside of your core values, you kind of know, geez, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That's not me. Right. It's like you can describe it as your personality in a lot of cases.
0: Yeah. So- and and going back to what you were saying earlier about awareness again, you know, it's, we can be operating on a certain level, unaware, really unaware of what our core values are, unless we take the time to know ourselves
1: understand ourselves right yeah, i would say it's it's a very integral part of self awareness mm-hmm. to understand what's going on inside your mind i mean there's so many there's you know lots to understand inside the mind the meta models the meta programs but there's certain words too like if we get into the i ams those yes. are the definites you know i claim it yes <laughs> i am and then we say something Well, if if what you were saying is not great, well, the I am's are the belief systems. I am such and such. Okay. And this is where labels become detrimental. They could. This is where people can have issues with identity when they retire. As I am an executive. I am a police officer. I am da-da-da-da. So, when we claim it with the IMs, we want to make sure that we're claiming it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, when we self identify, then we own it. And people do it with diseases too. You're not that disease. How do you You're mean? By- what do you mean? Well, um, I'm a cancer survivor. Ah. I'm a widow. I'm a whatever, right? It comes with some built in stuff. Right. Rather than just saying, I am Adele. This is who I am. At the core of my being, I am nothing. I am not a label. (laughs) And then the the infinite
0: possibilities that can come from that. You know, I am Anita. And what is possible is so much.
1: Yeah, we stand in our own power, right? There's just some really key elements to being okay with that. Mm -hmm. And I always say... You know, coming from a homeopath background, so this gave me insight into case-taking and and reading the threads within the language. You know, people are busy in their life, but you've probably had a circumstance where you're in an office or you're wherever, and you say, hey, how are you? And they say, hey, I'm fine. And I'm telling you, nobody's fine. <laughs> it's very, very rare that people are fine. They're fine in moments, but for the most part, they've got stuff happening in their lives. Yeah. That could be painful and yet we don't really have time to hear that. (laughs) And so people say, I'm fine, or they hide it, Hmm. but there's a lot of people that suffer from low self-esteem and so low self-worth, and it is limiting how much joy and satisfaction and potentially their dreams in their life. So the I'm fine needs to be opened up. And then we talk about mental awareness you know, once a, once a week, once a year kind of thing, (laughs) one week, a year, and Mm -hmm. people become a little bit more aware that things are happening internally. But as human beings, I think we're vulnerable to the life experience. And why not change the story? Why, if, if you're not happy, why continue? And I'm not saying change your life, you know, wherever you go, there you are. So you know, we get the midnight midlife crisis, which is something that we, we talk about it. We we hear it. People reach a certain age and they buy a sports car, or, <laughs> you know, change professions, change the location of where they live, buy a bigger house. And wherever you go, there you are. You're still back in your own dissatisfaction. Rather, consider that your brain is sending you signals that it's time for you to to evolve. It's an okay, evolution of your mind.
0: Yeah, let's break that down a little bit. Um, how okay, what what do you listen to that tells you that guides you? Like I, I talk about inner wisdom and I'm listening to my heart. What what is that for you? Is it the same? Is it inner wisdom? Is it something else?
1: Well, I I um listen to Charlotte for as few little little as I can. So being aware that Charlotte is not me, this could be my younger self, this could be somebody that gave, you know, gave me some bad information when I was younger and didn't know how to process it. So the voice inside the head is not you. (laughs) So learning how to hush that voice. Right. The inner critic or the the, The inner critic. Sure. Call it like the nasty DJ DJ or something like that. (laughs) You know, that's running these records repeatedly. Right. They're really worn out and it's just, they, they have to go. But awareness that the voice is coming up and a really good way to quiet the voice is to acknowledge it. Hmm. That's why she has a name. So then I externalize the voice. The voice is not mine. It's Charlotte's voice. And Charlotte is afraid of something. And I'm just going to say, Charlotte, I've got this. Thanks. Thanks for sending me a warning, but it's
0: okay. Right. Because Charlotte really just wants to protect you. She's not coming at it from any um, evil intent. It's simply, she wants to protect you.
1: She's afraid. And if it's a self-limiting belief, then it can be more destructive, right? Yeah. And then just a simple, you know, the childish voice inside your head that just wants to make sure. I mean, there, there are different parts of us that are being fired up like, with fear. You know, it's uh-huh. a very uh, primal, primal, uh, energy within our systems. Um, but there was something else that you asked me about and I'm, I'm so we're, I, we're
0: identifying the process of, um, tapping into that, the inner wisdom. So we, first we identify the, the, the inner critic or the nasty DJ and, and just call, not call them out, but say, I, I hear you. I see you. I understand your fear and it's okay. I've got this. So that's the
1: first step. Correct. Yeah. And then from so, there, where do you go? Well, I go to the words that I used. I break them down. So if it's a negative word, I, I flip it to a positive word. Oh. If it's not, if it's a force word versus a power word, then I flip it to a power word. There's certain words that don't work within the brain. The don'ts, the can'ts, the tries. Your brain doesn't know what to do with it because it doesn't have a direction.
0: Huh? Don't, don't can't and try
1: yeah you're all don't be late yeah yeah i can't the brain lot this loses the if you say do not be late it's different but the don't they don't your brain doesn't quite know what to do with that i don't know why but it's said that the brain drops the apostrophe t and it becomes do that so for example if you're talking about communication with teens and you say, don't be late. Well, their brain just dropped that and, and made it a do. <laughs> do be late.
0: Yeah, <laughs> That explains so much.
1: Yeah. So you can turn things around and say, well, I don't have to tell you what time to be home because you already know. And, and then it becomes self-responsibility.
0: I was told that no is a word we should keep out of our vocabulary as well. Um, Cause it's a negative. Could we, should we, turn that into you already understand it feels a
1: little bit forced doing that truthfully but there's, there's certain phrases that draw resistance of the neocortex so people want their own autonomy this brain here is always you know wanting a better way of doing things finding a better way of doing things so it questions everything There's certain phrases that drop resistance. So I always say, if you want to talk to your teen, talk to their subconscious brain, don't go through the neocortex. So one one of the phrases you could say was, well, I don't really have to tell you that because you already know. So then the brain feels relaxed because, oh, I don't have to really listen to this because I already know it. But Mm -hmm. the subconscious brain is downloading every single thing that it's ever seen, smelled, tasted, heard, or felt emotionally and kinesthetically. So the message is going in regardless of what your if your brain is your your teen's brain is being tuned out the Mm -hmm. ears never sleep and you know that as a mother Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything's going in yes but um this back to this awareness piece uh recognizing that the words that you use actually mean something inside the brain like Mm -hmm. the i can't if i would have said i can't get out of the plane there is absolutely no way that my brain would have sourced the information that I needed because I told my brain that it couldn't be done. Ah, so I've shut off the wisdom down. to that brain Right. where if I asked specifically, so in the now, um, a concise, I always say, talk to your subconscious brain like you would talk to a two-year-old and then you'll get the magic. So I'm getting out of the plane. I'm getting out of it now. So present tense, very direct and concise. So this is where the clarity of what you were asking for really matters. Yeah. We we hear these old sayings, be careful what you're asked for.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because
1: you might just get it. Might just get it. You've got to be thoughtful. Um, So this makes me
0: think about some, uh, I've been sharing some posts on my social media about manifesting and Mm -hmm. the power of asking. Uh, are putting it out to the universe with clarity and again making it a choice not a want you know like I talk about wanting we do we need to get clear about what it is that we want and then once we're clear and we under we look inward and we're asking and listening and and getting clear about what it is that we want then we need to choose it We need to use our language and be really thoughtful about the language we're using to choose what we want to create in our lives. I feel like I'm hearing the same thing from you.
1: Yeah. So manifesting is more than an affirmation. Like true manifesting is that we are attracting like a magnet, Mm -hmm. something towards us. So we have to be in alignment with what we, and they always say, well, think about it. Like you've already got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's one thing, but you have to believe it. Yeah. You have to believe that it's possible. It needs to be current in the current. So you, you talk in, uh, it's happening now, not that it's happening at some time in the future because that's when it'll happen then. So we don't want it. Like they always say when you're searching for happiness, well, when do you want to have it today (laughs) or next week, or, you know, when I finish, when the kids are grown, then I will, when I finish university, then when I do this, then when I get on vacation, then, you know, we, we put off things Mm. until the future. So the clarity of what we want needs to be aligned with who we are. So our ontology, the conciseness of how we ask it needs to be present day in the present now we need to have the belief system that it exists for us already Uh, and and these are these are really key so i'll give you an example someone is on a diet till the end of time there will be diets Mm. people want to lose weight we'll find out why they want to lose weight for starters so the, the neocortex is great has a lot of willpower until you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So how often does that happen in the day? And then willpower fails and your subconscious brain comes into effect. And what happens if your subconscious brain has a belief system that you're fat? I'm going to say that you're going to eat the Twinkie. Hmm. How hard you want to lose weight. If you believe in your heart of hearts that you're fat and the diet at some point will most likely fail. So these are the key elements to, you know, being aligned with what you want. Mm -hmm. If you think it's possible, then you have to also believe that it's possible. And you have to believe that it's possible now. Now,
0: yeah, not Mm. someday.
1: Yeah, and where it shows up, it shows up in the language. So for example, someone comes into an office building and their friend says, you look great today. And she said, I changed three times. I thought I was fat, hmm. right? Bingo. There's the belief system coming through. So this person, no matter how hard they try, here's the try word tries or wishy-washy. It's going to be extremely difficult for this person to follow through on a diet. So it begins in the mind, the story mm-hmm. nas- would, would need to be adapted inside the mind to allow that belief system to be put to rest with a more empowering desire. And then, you know, you can go on and manifest that. So, you know, go back and do some deep thinking on what you're going to manifest and see where your roadblocks inside the mind exist and if there's any questioning, like, oh, that's too big, oh, that's why me, you know, then there's some work that has to be done so that that manifestation can happen.
0: And is, is the work just asking yourself, why? Why do I feel this way? And why do I want this? Why, where does this belief come from? Is that part of the process in, in understanding? Oh.
1: As a coach, you know, we've, you've probably heard the seven layers of why. So the first, maybe
0: (laughs) refresh my memory.
1: Yeah. So I'll use the same example because it's an easy target. You want to lose weight. Why? Because it'll make me feel better. If it makes you feel better in what way, why is that important to you? Well, if I feel better, maybe I might feel happier inside. Oh, and if you feel happier inside, what's that going to do for you? Well, if I'm happier inside, maybe I'll have a better relationship with my partner. And if you have a better relationship with your partner, what will that do for you? Well, maybe I won't feel so lonely. Not about losing weight. Huh.
0: It's about yeah. not wanting to so lose. lonely.
1: When we deal with, when, when we work on the surface, mm. you know, that's, we're, we're sweeping, we're Washing the floor without water, right, mm. if you imagine a big pail of water and you're going to throw it on the floor and think your floor is clean. that's The results of working on the surface right, we might want to get get into the, the dirtiness and at least have a mop or have a scrub and put a little bit of soap in the water and and get in there, and it doesn't have to be hard, so you know the way i'm saying it, you know, using that example might seem that, oh, this is going to be painful. And it really isn't what, what it is, is, is joyful. I just did a little exercise with one of my new clients yesterday. And it's one that I do quite um, easily because it only takes a few minutes and um, I could do it as long as nobody's driving a moving vehicle, because, you know, we change, we alter our, our brainwave. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you want to remove a food group from your diet, you can do it quite easily and it doesn't have to be hard and then i you know i asked them to do a follow up and this this woman was um, at an event and somebody offered her a donut which was her food group that she asked to remove and she was like it was so interesting she said i just i never even thought about taking it at all i just had to tell you it was just like it wasn't even in my mind that i would ever take a donut and and this is the simplicity of of reworking those neural pathways we just change it so the brain makes a different choice.
0: Can you walk us through that little exercise that you did with your sure. Okay. Sure.
1: So I'll say the little disclaimer. Never op, never listen to these um, instructions or an NLP session or anything like that when you're driving or operating a moving vehicle because we're actually changing the brainwave that we're in. So I would set set up a state of relaxation. So usually that can be done by drawing attention towards our breath. So, we just notice what it feels like to breathe, and you can have your eyes opened or closed, your choice, and simply draw the air deep in through your nostrils. And just feel the volume of it move down your esophagus and into your chest. And then naturally, your chest expands and relaxes. But if you were to watch that oxygen move in through your body, you would notice that it goes from your lungs into your heart into your arteries, and flows down all of your extremities, your lower intestine. And from there, it flows out into little capillaries that reach every cell of your body. Imagine this pulsing, this natural energy that we receive and let go of thousands of times a day. Imagine now as you pull the air in through your nose, it moves all the way down through your body, through your throat, your chest cavity, reproductive organs, pelvis, thighs, knees, calves, ankles, feet. And this time we're going to allow it to flow out through the soles of our feet. And just watch that visual. As the air moves down your body, flowing out through your feet, the soles of your feet, and then it just naturally rises back up again, passing up on the outside of your body and coming back in through your crown. And now watch as that air circulates, becoming very bright and light Filling your body with this bright white light, bringing in a sense of calm and peace. As it expands outward through every cell of your body, through your skin and outward, like a protective layer from you and the outside world. And now I'd like you to imagine pulling your focus into your mind something, a food item that's not serving you. Maybe it's a piece of junk food, whatever it might be. You would like to remove it from your diet. And I'd like you to ask your conscious brain if it's willing to give up this item. And if it is, simply nod. Great, thank you. And now we'd like to ask your subconscious brain, knowing that nothing will be lost, this is for your highest good, is it also willing to give up this food item? Because this is inside our mind, we can do whatever we want. So I'd like to take your right hand and reach inside your thoughts and pull that food item out and have it in the palm of your right hand so you can really see it. Feel it, feel the texture. You can smell the odor. Maybe it's crunchy, maybe it's soft like a marshmallow. Maybe it's hard and crusty. Does it leave residue on your fingers as you hold it? How big is it? Could you take your index finger and draw the perimeter? Is it three dimensional or is it flat? Is it sugary or is it sour? Is it crunchy? Or is it soft? If you were to put it up to your nose, what does it smell like? If you were to take your tongue and just run your tongue over it, what does it taste like? And maybe your taste buds are engaging. What does it do inside your body with your emotions? Does it create happiness? What is that? Anxiety? Guilt? Know everything about this food item. The weight of it, the texture, the odor, does light move through it? Does it reflect or is it dense? Is it solid? And when you have it fully in your mind, simply nod your head. Okay. I'd like you to imagine a tic-tac-toe board about a foot in front of your face, two horizontal lines with equal vertical lines crossing in the middle. Can you picture that now? Okay, I'd like you to put that food item into one of the squares of the tic-tac-toe board. Nod when it's done. Great. Now reach inside your mind for something that you would never put in your mouth. Maybe it's those diapers that you changed as a young mother. Maybe it's the green slug that you find in the garden on a wet, moist day. Maybe it's something else something that you would never put in your mouth. And I'd like you to find that item now. And with your other hand, I'd like you to reach inside your mind and pull it out and put it into the palm of your other hand. So now you have this item in your hand. You can see what it feels like, whether it's sticky, moist, dry. Is it dense? If you were to squeeze it like a marshmallow or is it tinny? Does it squish? Is it hot? Is it cold? What odor does it have? Pull it up to your nose right now and take a really good whiff. Would you imagine letting your tongue come out of your mouth and licking it? How long is it? How high is it? How wide? Three dimensional or flat? What color? What shape? What odor? What taste? If there is there a sound that comes out of it, a vibration or a beat? Is there an emotion that rises up? How heavy is it? When you know it, at its very beingness, simply nod your head. And then place it into a different square in the tic-tac-toe board. Possibly there's residue that's left on your hand that's now left on the tic-tac-toe board. You can wipe that off. And now you have the tic-tac-toe board that has two squares, one with the food item that you'd like to remove and the other one that contains this item that you would never put in your mouth. So with both hands, I'd like you to reach out and take this item that you would never put in your mouth and I'd like you to drag it, pull it, push it, slide it across the tic-tac-toe board onto this food item. If you like. And when it's there, I'd like you to knead it like bread, like dough, like batter, so that it's completely mixed together, forming its own shape, its own color, texture, odor, density. Everything about it has changed. If we put it in a blender so that it could never be separated, you could do that now. So when it is its own shape, its own color, its own texture, its own smell, own taste, you can open your eyes. There you go. And now you can test yourself. If you were to think of that food item that you wanted, that you love to eat, what would you do now? There you go.
0: Don't want it. (laughs) It's very powerful. Holy
1: smokes. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. But it works and it works for a long time. Like I I did mine on the hard cheesies. Um probably about I don't know 8 or 9 years ago and I have not put one of those things in my mouth. Mm. And when I first did it, it was so powerful that I had to actually turn away from the the munchy aisle in the grocery store. I couldn't even bear to walk down the aisle and look at that in case my eyes came in contact with it. It was, wow,
0: that's very powerful. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see how this works for me. So I will, uh, I will report back.
1: Yes, please do. It's fun stuff.
0: Very cool. I I love this kind of conversation. You know, like it just feels like so much is within our own power, and I get really really excited about the possibilities, the possibilities of what we can create and do with our lives. So thank you for giving us some some giving me some insights into that. And um, I've got I've got one one more question that I feel we've touched on a little bit and I feel it's so important is the, the awareness piece
1: mm.
0: because you know, at the beginning, before we recorded, I was sharing something with you and I was, and I used the word try and you, you flagged that, you know, I want to try something. And I didn't even realize that that is, I I've heard it before. I heard we got to take that word out of our, our vocabulary. And, um, Yet I, am still, I still, obviously I used it and it just kind of surprised me, you know, so I, I want to make that shift. I really want to make the shift from trying to being.
1: So just remove the, um, really like I'm going to make the shift. I'm making, okay, so there's so there another I've word that I, okay. So two words I used really and trying, but if you put it into the present tense and re and re-say it just it's happening now then that's the key. If you say, I'm going to do something, it gives your brain an excuse. Gives okay. us an excuse. So when we say that we're happening doing, now, it, it has to be in the current tense. And this is really important with manifestation, but also for your brain to action. So your brain has immense power. I don't know the terabyte. Now I used to think it was 17 terabytes of information between each of our ears. Now it's, scientifically proven to be, I'm talking well above that, in the hundreds. So we have no idea the immense information that is stored between our ears. If we want to access that and have that as our own universal university, then how we action it is we put it into today, that this is happening now. It's not happening next week. If you have a vision for your future, so this is the power of visualization, then we've put that information into our brain by having the visualization and the planning process. So that is is a good thing to do because you've, you've given the brain information today of what tomorrow looks like. Different from just saying, I'm going to try something. So when we when we are manifesting or we're moving towards a goal, it's okay to have that vision in the future as long as it's you know timely. The, put the date in, put the time, it's gonna happen by November 12th at 10 a.m. Then we can plan for that. But unless the information has been downloaded into our brain, the, the conciseness of that can be waylaid by the language that we use whether it's self-limiting beliefs or things that were specific words that the brain, let's, let's just say they're slippery. Mm -hmm. The try you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. The can't is really, I don't want to, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. You can say I can't, but But either you you will or you won't.
0: Yeah. I think that my, my big takeaway with what you're saying is, use your language in the now, like even I can't is something, it seems like that's future. But if you talk about right now, what is possible or what you desire, talk about it in the present tense, and that will help pull out those words
1: that are holding you back. Mm -hmm. That true? I I, I, I I go back to my plane crash. If I would have said I really want to get out of the plane soon. Uh-huh. There, there, isn't, there isn't that like, right? The define not yeah, work,
0: does it? I really now. want to get out of
1: the plane soon. Right? Like, it's like, it's
0: like now. now. Yeah. I choose this <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. I love that, Adele. Thank you so much. And that's, that's a simple thing we can all start doing now. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can do
1: now. Yeah. And start doing, like, just do it. Okay. The Nike. (laughs) Nike. It's a very powerful thing. Just do it, right?
0: Just do it. Yes. Don't start doing it. Just do it.
1: Yeah. So we're instead of onset, we're putting it into the now. It's happening. I am doing it right now. I am doing it right now.
0: So interesting. This Mm self-awareness piece is a Work in progress, isn't it? We have to constantly be checking in with the language we're using Mm
1: -hmm. and being
0: aware of that. Thank you so much. Adele, Mm -hmm. if anybody listening wanted to connect with you or reach out, find more about you and your
1: services, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yes, it's the most powerful word in the English language. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I can. Yes, I will. So yes, at lifecoachadele.com. Awesome. All right. And of course, we'll put that information in
0: the, the show notes. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love this conversation. I think you are such an amazing human being. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that I landed on your beach this summer yeah. on my way up the desolation sound. And I that will include so that fun. fun little story yeah. in the show notes yeah. as well. So it was meant to be meant to be <laughs> that you and I Uh, reconnected so thank you to you my friend and I do feel like this is also the beginning of much more so
1: well I'm very passionate about it and I'm passionate about seeing everybody thrive so um, I really appreciate being on your podcast today
0: awesome well thank you so much all right all right joyful journeyers we'll catch you next time Thank you for joining us today on the joyful journey podcast if anything resonated with you please visit our website at joyful sign up to receive a free download of our three guiding principles to inner wisdom and become a member of the joyful inspired living community for a deeper spiritual dive check out our retreats we offer both in-person retreats on beautiful bowen island in british columbia as well as online retreats that you can do from the comfort of your own home. And finally, if you liked our show, please leave a review so more people can find it and learn how to access their highest self and together we'll raise the collective consciousness.